morning. morning. You can open to 1 John this morning. Let's think about um, this here in 1 John. What, What word would you think maybe appears... You know, I didn't even look at this. I'm um, just presuming this. But what word do you think appears most or a lot in the epistle of 1 John? Love. So that might give you a hint where we're going. And just thinking of priority, and I don't, I mean, that's nothing any of us would not agree with. I mean, of just what a priority to be thinking about, you know, this uh, for the believer, uh, this. Uh, what's to be in our life is love. Yet the word love appears total in these five chapters 46 times uh, in this short letter of 1 John. Love. Um, He tells them, or through the letter, this love, this love for one another. Uh, this love that is an, a mark, an evidence that someone is a child of God. And in the book of 1 John, he, he's not rebuking um, the recipients of this letter. He's not rebuking these believers, but he's encouraging them. Um, evidently, there's individuals that are creating trouble. They are with the body of believers. They've gone out from them, um, and they're... They're creating trouble. They're maybe giving some hints or ideas to these believers that they're not um, God's children. They're not right with God. Um, there's things troubling them in their assurance. So you have in First John 5, um, let's see here, verse 13, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So it's a book written to encourage these individuals of how they, they know, listen, stop listening to them. This is how you know you are right with God. And what we have shared with you is true and right. And a central aspect of this is love. Not a love you've conjured up. You know, not a love that you have to sit here and, and make yourself do. But this love that God has done, brought within your hearts that then overflows to, specifically, well, to God himself and then to others, uh, to the brethren. And so he's writing to encourage them. One guy said this about love here in 1 John, the love which the New Testament enjoins involves a consuming passion for the well-being of others and this love has its wellspring in God. That's the love we're talking about here. So in First John here, it's this idea of loving one another. And then also, and, and just this morning, the focus on uh, we're to be diligent to love one another. To be diligent to love one another. In verse 7 of chapter 4, look what he says here. He says, Beloved, let us, let us love one another. This is an exhortation. 
I mean, to the writer himself and then to all the others that are reading this letter, let us love one another. So this is a reality for the believer. You know, you know God, <laughs> you know, you, you know the salvation of God in this love that he has wrought in your heart. So this is a reality for the believer. And then he exhorts us at the same time to be diligent um, to love. It's a command. Let's love one another. So we must press on in loving one another. Do you find it easy to always love? To love one another? I think Ephesians 4, he says something along along the lines of forbearing, (laughs) you know, with one another, putting up with one another. We know it's, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. It's not easy as we come together today. To love one another. So something we must be diligent in. And because of th- I mean, the reality is it, it's so easily, uh, so easy for us and for things to come in into our relationship with one another. I mean, little things. Isn't it amazing? I mean, just think about your marriages or relationship with a close friend. I mean, these things that so easily, um, you know, create that. Um, sticker that that spur that burr under the saddle of a horse you know those little things that's pretty soon I mean we're, we're just don't even want to look at each other and what was it about um I don't I think it was something someone didn't put a fork away or you know something little so I mean just how telling that is how we need to be vigilant in this area So let's look more at this love. And a lot of it's going to be focused on here in chapter 4. Starting in verse 7 to the end of the chapter. Out of the 46 times in this section, from my count, there's about 25 times that love is mentioned here uh, in these verses, 7 through 21. So over half of them come here in this section. So similar to Paul has his... Love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Here's John's love section in 1 John 4. And, and he exhorts us to love. Well, how are we to love? We're to love as God has loved us. Love as God has loved us. Let's go ahead and um, read here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. Verse 10, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Not, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfect, perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
I'm not going to go through the rest of the chapter here. We'll hit on some other verses uh, in that next paragraph. Uh, but here, so we're to love as God has loved us. How has he loved us? Well, God loved us first. Look in verses 10 and 11 again. He says, and this is love. And this is, this is good. This is love. We know what love is. There's a lot of singing and movie making about love, isn't there? And it's not love. <laughs> they don't have a clue about what love is. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. I mean, apart from God loving us, loving us first, we wouldn't love God. What does the scripture say we were apart from God and before God loving us? Hateful enemies, dead, children of wrath, deserving of his wrath, didn't do anything loving. You know, I think just about in my own life, how, how often I sit back waiting for someone to love me first. You know, if they did this, then, you know, I, I would be nicer, more loving, sitting back. But here we see the heart of it. This is love. And, of course, we see here that this love is not abstract. It's not just some feeling. It's action-based, right? God seeing this need, God seeing our plight, he loved us, not just with good thoughts, but meeting that need. He says, goes on here, but that he loved us and sent his son, in verse 11, to be the propitiation for our sins. I mean, so that's, that's it, how he, he loved us when we were sinners, deserving of his wrath, and he provides that wrath-satisfying sacrifice, that atonement for our sins, the problem, through his son, Jesus Christ. Look back in chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. But see what great, great a love he's bestowed on us. He bestowed. And not something that we earned, that we deserve to receive, but he bestowed it upon us, gave it to us. That's grace. That's his mercy. And so, yeah, I said 11 earlier, didn't I? Sorry. Now, verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, chapter 4, verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And love one another how? In this way, he first loved us, we ought to first love one another. Love one another first. And once again, notice how this love is active. It's active. And once again, this isn't something that we're being asked to do in our own strength, by our own works, by our own merits, but 
based on the work that God's already done in us and believing God in what his word says, that we can love any person in any situation no matter what the case might be. And I'm sure we've all heard of those stories. Uh, I mean, of things that we think would be the greatest hurt in a relationship that God has granted that believer, that person, to love that person despite how that person is treating them, has treated them, or will continue to treat them. And it's a reality we've all experienced in our own lives, too. And there's more of that love still to be brought about in our lives towards one another. So, how are we to love as God loved us? He loved us first. How else did he love us? He loved us by sending his son, verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. He gave, right? John three sixteen. he gave. He so loved the world that he gave. Look down here later in this chapter. Sorry, let me find it here. Look in verse 15 and 16. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. And I was just thinking this in regards to, I mean, evangelism, in in regards to um, those who are not believing God. And, And to think about it in this light, look what he says here. You have believed in the love of God. Believe in the love of God. And, and for those who, who do not know Christ, I mean, Christ isn't their Savior, isn't their Lord. Would you not believe in the love of God for you, that he has provided the sacrifice for your sins? You have not loved him. You have sinned against him. You have broken his law. You, you put everything else before him, and yet God has loved you and given his son for you. Would you not believe in his son? Believe in his love. And that just stood out to me. Just, I mean, I often think about believing. Yeah, believe in Christ. Believe in his righteousness. Believe in his death. You've believed in his love. you believed in his love. So in that, he, his love is that he gave. He provided this uh, means of salvation, of being right with him, having our sins forgiven, and being his child, as it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, that great love that we could be called children of God. And then thirdly here, so God loved us. He loved us first. He loved us by giving his son. And Jesus, God the Son, he laid down his life for us. Look in First uh, John three sixteen. He says, we know love by this. I mean, this is great. I, this is, we saw in chapter 4, uh, verse 10, and this is love. And now in, in 3.16, we know love by this. 
thing for all of us, thing for you young kid, you, uh, younger people. How do you know what love is? How do you know what true love is? It looks like this. It looks like this, selflessness. It looks like loving first. It looks like what it says here in 3.16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So this is how we know what love is. We see it in Jesus Christ. And, and we see it in how Jesus living on this earth and how he was treated here. God the Son, God in the flesh. And how was he treated? And did he respond in treatment in like manner? He responded in love. He responded in laying his life down for others. And he did that for us. And so he clearly says here in this verse then, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is what love looks like. This is how God loved us. And this is how we are to love, laying our lives down for one another. What does this look like, laying our lives down for one another? What does this look like? Sometimes it's easy to think of the big things, right? We think of the big things, the big sacrifices. You know, we come in and we save the day, you know, for the person. We, we rescue them. We lay our life down for them. And, and that certainly is this. No greater love has any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. But it also looks like instead of getting up and expecting your spouse to have your cup of coffee on the counter, getting up and having her or his cup of coffee on the counter. I mean, it looks like just all those little things in a day that we could look at and say, oh, they didn't do this for me, and can create that wedge in a relationship. And if it's not dealt with, can soon create a large break in a relationship and trouble. And with us here today, I mean, it's, it's, it's so many of those little things that it looks like laying our lives down. We come home from work, from a busy day, and we come home to a family. And in our mind is not to continue working until it's 9 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock to go to bed, right? It's to rest. But here we have a family and children that, that are needy, that we need to come and lay our lives down. And cast ourselves upon the Lord. And that's the thing. God will sustain us. God will strengthen us. God will give us that love. That ability to do to come, come home and to serve in that manner of, of a right heart. Out of love. So this is what love looks like. And it's a reality. And he's saying, listen, this is an encouragement for you believers, and let us continue, let us press on in this love. As God has loved us, he loved us first. He loved us by giving. He loved us by laying down his life for us. Let us continue to press on loving in this way. So in conclusion, I just I want to read a quote out of this book, Leading with Love, by Alexander Strzok. And 
Here, I'll just start reading where he gives the background to this quote. Amy Carmichael, who rescued abused children and provided a home for them through her her fellowship in India, recognized the deadly potential of loss of love. (laughs) Excuse me, I'll go back and read that. (laughs) Recognized the deadly potential of loss of love among her co-workers. She laid down guidelines for the sisters of the common life, the women who worked together with her in the orphanage. She said this, And love is deadly. It is a cancer. It may kill slowly, but it always kills in the end. Let us fear it. Fear to give room to it as we should fear to nurse a cobra. It is deadlier than any cobra, and just as one minute or one minute drop of the almost invisible cobra venom spreads swiftly all over the body of one into whom it has been injected, so one drop of the gall of unlove in my heart or yours, however unseen, has a terrible power of spreading all through our family. For we are one body, we are parts of one another. We owe it to the younger ones to teach them the truth that united prayer is impossible unless there be loyal love. If unlove be discovered anywhere, stop everything and put it right, if possible, at once. I think that does state the importance of what we were talking about here and what John I mean, gave so much time here in his small letter of First John 2, and that is the matter of love and loving one another. Loving one another and loving one another first. Loving one another first. It's so easy for us to come in or even today, and to, or just think about that in fellowship. I mean, we could come in and think, oh, well, this person doesn't greet me. Or, or you know, they've never invited me over to their home. Love first, right? Love first. You know, this person, or they did that. Well, love them, love first. Love first. In our families, it's easy for that to happen. Children, I mean, to you, towards your parents, you're called to love them first. Parents to your children, love first. Not sitting back saying, well, you need to earn it. You need to earn it. You need to do this. Love, love first. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this love that you have wrought in our hearts, Lord. So great a love that we would be called children of God. Thank you, Lord, that not only do we know it because your word says it, Lord, we've experienced it, Lord, but we pray for more, more of this love, Lord, that we would reflect more of your nature as our Father in this love, loving you and loving one another, God. In Jesus' name, amen.